Welcome to the Keep Building Podcast. I'm Todd Lebo, CEO of Majestic Steel. We're here to keep you informed in terms of what we're seeing going on in our industry, the market, and relevant topics. So let's keep building. Welcome back to the Keep Building Podcast. I'm here with Chris Bellman and Scott Peskowitz. A lot's changed since the last time we talked about the steel market. It seems like the market's getting more volatile. A lot of things are impacting that. So today we're going to talk about today's market but also focus specifically on zinc. Zinc has a major impact on coated steel and zinc prices are moving rapidly as well. What's going on with zinc, why zinc, and also the sustainability aspect of zinc. There's more talk about sustainability and ESG. What does that mean for steel? What does that mean for zinc demand and and the market as a whole? So before we jump into the specifics on zinc, Chris and Scott, Today's market, right? I mean, recently we've now heard of of updated scrap prices and we're seeing volatility of other raw materials. Why don't we start with, you know, what's going on in today's steel market? Yeah, we've seen a lot of softening, as you mentioned, since we last talked mid-March. And really, this is just as the market settles after all of the black swan events that we had, the, the invasion of Ukraine, COVID still trying to work its way through the market. So on the cost side, still a mixed bag. A lot of the inputs are remaining at all-time highs while others are settling down a little bit. Yeah, we've seen prices like you've talked about in just, what are we, in middle of May now that we've seen rise to decade-plus highs, drop back 15%, climb back up again in all a matter of a week or two. It seems like the swings are more violent and volatile than ever, and the market is more sensitive than it ever has been before. Does it feel like the market overreacted to the Russia-Ukraine situation, and that's what drove the prices up this- rapidly as as they moved and now we're kind of finding where that balancing point is uh, still elevated to obviously like you said compared to historical levels but maybe not as high as many had anticipated based upon the invasion yeah i mean like we talked about you talked about scrap from may just came back out and it was down from the decade plus high we saw in april and what led to that decade plus high in april was just the confusion the uncertainty of not only zinc, zinc supply, but zinc alternatives, pig iron, DRI, HBI, other global. Zinc or scrap alternatives? Scrap. Did I say zinc? Yeah. I meant scrap. You got you your know. mind on zinc. I know. We're really <laughs> focused on the zinc. You must be listening zinc. to your wife wanting <laughs> you to wear some more sunscreen. I'm like no that. kidding. It's the or COVID that's gotten in your mind. Zycam or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's the, <laughs> it's the scrap and the scrap alternatives. And it was just the market uncertainty and just the jump to push things higher. Yeah. The market didn't know how to react to the sanctions that were placed on Russia. There were four waves of different sanctions that kind of increased. So you saw an impact on iron ore. You saw an impact on coking coal. As Chris mentioned, scrap. And then the big one lately, oil and natural gas. I mean, we just have just recently all-time record high diesel prices natural gas prices nearing 15-year high. Um, And again, that's mainly tied to the Russia-Ukraine situation. So definitely a lot of overreaction. And like I said, the the market's kind of starting to find more of a new normal or a floor after all this craziness. Yeah, I think it's interesting because during COVID, we recognize how many potential risks there are with globalization and unreliable supply chains. And I'm not sure that we fully learned from that yet, And then, you know, the market was correcting and and then there was the Russia-Ukraine situation. And then we we realized the dependency 
on Russia and Ukraine for certain raw materials, not only here in the US, but across the world, and then the impact that had on the European market, and then you know what that meant to, to raw material prices of, like you said, scrap and pig iron and even zinc that we'll talk about later, and the overreaction there. And I think the reality is that we do have these dependencies. And because of these dependencies, we are subject to these other economies impacting our market. And we're not truly independent in that regard. However, we are reacting to these situations that we cannot control that are real variables in our market today. And so because of that, it's tough to think that we can maintain stability and be cost competitive when you have to respond to these events. And so I think the rapid rise in scrap and the rapid rise in pig iron, the rapid rise in zinc, you know, those were real but probably an overreaction based upon what the potential situation could be here. And now we're recognizing that and we're seeing that pullback. Scrap prices, zinc prices, pig iron prices are still high when you zoom out and you look at it over the last 10-year trend. And you know, we believe they're going to remain higher, but probably not as high as they just went and didn't necessarily need to be that high. So I think if you're a steel buyer, you got to really think about how you're managing that risk, both when the market shoots up and also when the market pulls back. The other thing is you're looking at it in terms of, well, I want some level of stability and transparency, but a lot of the indices you know, are driven based upon the spot market. You're subject to these fluctuations as well. And so it makes it more challenging to manage that cost depending on how influential that cost is to your goods. So why it's so important to have reliable supply chains that can help you understand not just what's happening, but why it's happening and how to manage it or how to mitigate that risk, depending on you know, how you're able to, to pass along market pricing. It seems like ever since COVID took place and things really shot up going back, back half of 2020, everything has been at a reset higher level. So the black swan event you talked about, any sort of disruption to the supply chain, disruptions in the market, that 10, 15% jump you might've saw three, four years ago is coming at a much higher level. So that's why we're seeing the bigger volatile swings, I think, but at much higher levels, just due to the where we started from and the baseline we've been at in the last two plus years. Yeah, so, and then and COVID still having an impact today's world. So China is currently going through more lockdowns. I'm sure people have, have noticed that in the news. And just recently, their purchasing managers index was announced for China, and it was the lowest level since February of 2020, which was the last time they got hit hard by COVID. So that's having an impact on iron ore. Like I said, we've already had issues with coking coal coming from Russia and the sanctions being placed on them. So a lot of moving pieces still uh, that we have to work through. Yeah, that's a great point, Scott. You cannot ignore the Chinese market given that they're 53% of the global market, even if we're not importing from China today due to trade policy. Like the reality is we're all sharing the same raw materials no different than we all share the same planet when it comes to the environmental side of it. So from that perspective, you know, you have to think about the lockdowns in China, what that does to Chinese production and, and what that does to Chinese demand. And uh, they're the largest consumer of iron ore. They're the largest consumer of, of scrap. And so that's obviously having an impact on iron ore prices today and scrap prices. When China comes back, you know, what impact will that have? The other thing is the issues that we've seen on raw materials, it's also affecting downstream production. 
just like it's affecting the cost of steel, it's also affecting manufacturers' ability to produce given other parts of, of their supply chain that they're trying to manage through, depending on the, the end market. So, you know, I think that all of these things are real and it's a live market and they move a lot faster today than ever. And it's very fragile and going to remain fragile. And you really got to manage both sides in terms of the, the upsides of markets and the downsides and how do you mitigate that depending on what your business model is. I think another interesting thing is, I mean, the mills recently announced zinc extra increases. How did they go about announcing those increases? And now since then, right, they, they announced it when it hit $2 a pound and, and now we're back in the $1.60 and change a pound. So what does that mean? I think let's just jump into that in terms of let's talk about zinc and the impact it has on coated steel pricing as well as the zinc market and, and whatnot. Yeah. So zinc was at $2 a pound a couple of weeks ago and it remained at that level for about a week. And that was the highest price in over 15 years. So 2006, as Todd mentioned, it's back down to about $1.66 a pound. But overall, the, the major backdrop still remains. So the rising energy costs that I mentioned are still in Europe, which is having an impact on the zinc smelters in that region. And that's led to production bottlenecks in that region and delayed supply getting into the market. And then on the other side, so on U.S. demand, it's weakened some recently on the economic outlook. So the stock market really over the last week, week and a half has been spooked. This is mainly due to rising interest rates, rising inflation, and the strengthening U.S. dollar, which has led to some of the softening we are seeing. Typically, when U.S. dollar strengthens against other global currencies, the commodity prices go in the inverse direction. And that's really what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think many people know this, but zinc is the fourth most common metal in use currently around the world, behind only iron, aluminum, and copper. So the impact that you just talked about, what happens on the production side, on the mining side, the recycling side of zinc has a major impact throughout the market, particularly in the coated steel market. But the other main use for zinc in the world is making brass, mixing zinc and copper is how you make brass. So it has a major impact that fluctuates throughout the world through the demand for everywhere. Yeah, when you think about the reason why zinc is used for corrosive resistance with new requirements coming in play with ESG and, and a focus on sustainability, demand for zinc is going to only continue to grow. And if you look at the mill's investments, a lot of their investments are in coating lines where they're taking their hot world and cold world substrate to make zinc coated product. And so that should just continue to drive greater demand for zinc in terms of mill production, as well as downstream and markets use of, of zinc coated product. Any reference on the price difference when zinc moves as much as it's moving? I mean, you know, we at Majestic, we sell heavy gauge galvanized, it could be hot world based, we could sell light gauge galvanized, it's cold world based. We sell G30, G90, up into even higher zinc extras. When we look at that, you know, it's a pretty big difference. Can you guys talk to just like the percentage and, and cost difference when we're looking at zinc at $1.60 or as high as $2? Yeah, you talked about the mills raising coating extras, kind of how that works is they build out a matrix pretty much every 20, 20 cents or so movement in zinc, you'll fall into a different table and depending on the gauge and thickness of your substrate and the thickness of the coating, whether it's G30, 40, 90, et cetera, is a potential price that goes into that. 
And as zinc gets more expensive, when they go up a table, let's say zinc was averaging $1.50 a pound, and then it jumps up to $2 a pound, you could see anywhere from, depending on either light gauge, or heavy gauge, anywhere from 50, 33, 40% changes in your cost just on the coated side which impacts the bottom line that gets pushed through on top of the pricing fluctuations we've seen in a finished steel pricing. Yeah, and the mills have already announced three coating extras just so far this year since January. So yeah, as Chris mentioned, they're starting to pile on some of those and demand is still expected to outpace supply, again, mainly because of those supply disruptions that we're seeing in Europe. So that should set a floor as to how far zinc's going to fall. And Chris can maybe touch on some of the demand, but we're seeing strong automotive demand, which sucks up a lot of zinc. Yeah. So before you jump into that, even if we continue to see potentially base prices slide from where they just peaked, zinc extras are up given the mill's recent announcements. So that can offset your total price. And also the difference between a G60 and G90 can be significant in terms of what you're getting quoted, that then your total cost can vary based upon how you're actually inquiring that product, which I think is something that is very important for those that are buying zinc coated steel to understand the difference between a base metal price as well as a fully baked price that includes zinc. Chris, if you could talk to you know some of the demand and uses of, of zinc and what your thoughts are moving forward with a greater push on sustainability, how does that change in terms of zinc demand and also these end markets? Yeah, like Scott said, we are all expecting zinc demand to continue to outpace zinc supply this year. And some of that increased demand, we're looking at upwards of a 2% increase in demand on a global basis over what we just saw last year and even more over where we were in 2020. And a lot of that goes to end use products that you're looking to sustainability, stuff that might be highly corrosive environments, whether that be on agriculture, silos, grain bins, animal confinement spaces to, I mean, your car, you're not looking to have a replace rusted out panels on a yearly basis on a, on a vehicle. So everything from that to, if you think about where you are in the environment, you might be more highly corrosive on the coast than you will be in Nebraska. So a lot of it uh, varies on what you're using the product for, where you are located geography wise. So everything, pretty much every end use sector, my opinion, has some corrosive environment and is, has a need for, for zinc, zinc coated material in that supply chain. Yeah, I just go back to thinking about COVID, right? And during COVID, everyone talking about needing to take more zinc to prevent (laughs) getting COVID or if you got COVID to prevent the effects of it. And when you think about zinc and its purpose for our body in terms of keeping us healthy or preventing us from getting sick, and now you think about that in an application of steel and the need for more of a corrosive resistant environment, given mother nature, given the push for sustainability. I remember back in the day when you got a car and it was made of painted coral and when the paint chipped off, the coal would rust and the car door would rust. And now today cars are made of high strength, lightweight steel that zinc coated that then allows the, the car not to, to rust. And the elements today are so much more significant in terms of mother nature and salt and weather conditions and things like that, my opinion is the demand for zinc is going to only continue to grow and more end users are going to demand corrosive resistance. Now, I've always thought of it as a marketing opportunity, right? Why would you not market the fact that your product has a certain level of zinc on it for corrosive resistance? 
I just got back from Florida and we were buying, you know, sunscreen and you better believe all of those brands are marketing in terms of the ingredients and also how that sunscreen protects you from the UV rays and all the harm that could potentially be had. I think a little bit of sun's not too bad, right. but for steel, <laughs> the last thing you want is that steel to rust. And I think we're realizing that even in applications that maybe you don't see, right? Like underground piping, right? Do you want those pipes really to be rusted or should they be yeah, we can water. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who wants to drink water that's got heavy metals in it? Or Great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right in that air. I think we're going to see more of a push towards zinc coated and more of an understanding of what that means too. What are you saying, Scott? Yeah, I just wanted to add on the other side, if, if prices still remain elevated like they have been, we may start to see more of a shift in the industry. You know, some of the manufacturers may be using a little bit less coating on certain things that they may need depending on where prices are. Instead of using G90, maybe switch to G30 or, or yeah. different. Do you think they will be able to get away with that though? I think there's a pushback now more than ever about yeah, sustainability, quality. Right. quality. Sustainability. People want to know what they're dealing with, what they're getting, the benefits of that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a great point, right? Because there's the cost benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. And I think that the industry hasn't done a good enough job in terms of marketing that, right? I was saying with the sunscreens, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're going to the store, you're buying yeah. zinc and you're getting five milligrams versus 10 milligrams. You're paying a different amount, yeah. 10 versus five. And that's clearly understood when I'm looking at the bottle in terms of five milligrams versus 10 milligrams of, of zinc. You get to make right? that choice. And exactly, right. you're making that choice. You're looking at the price tag. And I think that we could do a better job as an initiative. I've talked about that at Majestic in terms of making sure that our customers one, truly understand the difference between G30, G60, G90, all the way to G235. Yeah. Understand not only the differences in terms of the effects of it, but also the cost of it and how they should be marketing that, right? Because we had a meeting with an HVAC contractor last week and he wasn't sure if he was getting quoted G60 or G90 and the spec didn't specify. So then it goes back to regulation, whether or not SMACNA, the sheet metal group requires that. And so I do think that there's going to be a push for greater corrosive resistance, as there should be. And I think that it depends on the application, right? I, I would think that in many applications where the risk is potentially corrosion that then can cause a long-term effect based upon its use, then you're going to want more zinc on that, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think that was the away. whole marketing of cage-free eggs, right? Yeah. Well, if the zinc didn't rust, but then was rubbing against the chickens that were causing whatever the eggs to have that issue, you know, then maybe all they needed was actually cages that had more zinc or maybe even zinc, aluminum, magnesium, right? That's, that's yeah. a product that I think doesn't get enough attention in terms of magnesium's corrosive resistance as well. And that's even greater corrosive resistance. Yeah, so. we're just talking, I mean, we were mostly referencing sheet products, but if you think about long products as a major infrastructure bill that we've kind of hit on multiple mm -hmm. times, I would pr highly prefer my bridge to have galvanized structural yep. metal underneath it. Then, so I'm not driving by and it's rusting, rusting out every out. 15 yeah, like every, every, other bridge. Many, every time I walk, I walk or drive under a bridge, I look up. Yeah, and when I see that, oh, I don't like a map. <laughs> scary. Both walking under a bridge, or uh, looking up, but so anytime that you look up and you're like, geez, the steel is rusty, yeah. right? Holes in it. hundred percent. I think that it should be out. How about batteries, right? Yeah. So I think that the demand for zinc across other applications than just flat wood steel is a real thing too, moving forward. Yep. You know, it should be important in pretty much every aspect of, of life. It seems to have multiple uses, multiple benefits. I think just needs a better awareness, a better recognition of how that translates through. 
Yeah, I think the takeaways there are zinc demand is not going to slow down. Prices can fluctuate due to different drivers, always has and always will. And we could see zinc in more applications moving forward. And we could see demand for zinc coated steel to be greater because of the corrosive resistance aspects of it, as well as a push for sustainability. And so I think that while zinc prices did hit $2 a pound, they've come back to $1.65 as of recent, but we expect demand to remain strong, prices to remain elevated, just maybe not at those historic highs. So just like you're taking zinc to prevent yourself from getting sick and zinc became more of a thing during COVID, I think it's going to be a thing that's going to have more of a focus moving forward for steel. So thank you all for joining the Keep Building Podcast. Chris and Scott, really appreciate your knowledge about the steel market, what's going on, recognize that it's changing all the time. And you guys are constantly putting things out in the market. The core report, I know you guys do a a weekly market update. So anyone that needs anything on the steel market, don't hesitate to reach out to Chris Billman and Scott Peskowitz. These guys are experts at what they do. And thank you for joining in and keep building.